the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I am in a rare, angry mood. (laughs) So I won't say another word about my mood because I don't want to in any way uh, even subtly influence the response of my guest, Dan Henninger, who is a columnist for the Wall Street Journal and member of its editorial board. And since we see eye to eye so often, I'm wondering if that's the case here, but I won't tell him what my eye sees. Dan Henninger, how you doing? I'm doing well, Dennis. Good to talk to you. Well, if you're doing well, you're better than me right now. <laughs> I got to say. <laughs> so that yeah. that might be a hint. But in any event, go ahead. What is your take on what has happened with the health care bill? Well, um, I'll proceed that by saying that uh, I must say that I think I probably spent, uh, have just spent one of the more depressing weekends uh, than I have in a very, very long time. Um, It was a downer, in my view, and uh, it's a little bit difficult to come to grips with exactly what happened. I mean, let's go back to the... Forgive me, Dan, forgive me. I never interrupt you. I just want to tell you, now that you said that, I had uh, had, uh, Newt Gingrich on the first hour, and I said that word, I said it was depressing. And he said, no, 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 you shouldn't be depressed. This is not a time for depression. And then you're, you tell me this, and I, I, this is sort of relief in me. Am I an outlier? So anyway, go on. I just wanted you to know that human to human. Yeah, well, um, Newt, I uh, respect Newt Gingrich. He's good at finding a silver lining. Now, that's what you have to be if you're in the political game right now. But let's go back to election night in November. Uh, around, uh, you know, say, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, when suddenly it became clear that Hillary Clinton was not going to win the election, but that Donald Trump was going to win. And why was Donald Trump going to win the election? And why did he win it? He won it, I think we all agree, because of one word that defines what the American people wanted. And you know what that word is, Dennis. It is change. They expected they were going to get change in Washington, change in their politics. And the opportunity was at hand with the vote on the health care reform bill, and uh, it did not happen. Instead, I think what people got is what they had um, before Donald Trump got elected president in Washington, which was gridlock. I mean, there is no other way to define what happened than the system seizing up. And now that that's happened, I think the possibility of uh, Trumpian change that so many people voted for is eroding. Um, it, at least it is eroding in terms of uh, going to erode in terms of the president's ability to enact change through the Congress. He can do it the way Barack Obama did through executive orders, and he has spent a lot of time issuing executive orders, reversing Obama's executive orders on regulation. But in the really big things that count, like uh, Obamacare or reform of the tax code, um, the possibility, I think, of getting those things done uh, diminished 
really quite significantly uh, in the past three days. And now um, the question is, where do we go from here? Well, before we get to that question, I'll ask one that I don't tend to enjoy asking, but I, I think it's almost inevitable, and it's, not, it's only done so that we have greater clarity. Whom do you blame? Well, I blame, um, I do blame the Freedom Caucus, um, and I blame, um, you know, this is a long, a big subject. Uh, I think I may write about it this week, but I roll it back to the beginning of the Tea Party. Uh, I was a huge and remain a huge admirer of the original Tea Party idea, which was citizens groups that formed in 2009, and their goal basically was they, they were upset about the level of spending in Washington. Uh, and then, of course, we know that the Obama Internal Revenue Service uh, went after and essentially destroyed that movement, which was then taken over by larger groups running under the umbrella of the Tea Party, and they used that idea to raise a lot of money, to draw a lot of attention to themselves. These are conservative groups. Uh, and the question is, what was going on there beyond pure politics, Dennis? Was there, any ever, was there ever a plan, a legislative plan, to accomplish anything? Or was it just about raising you know, their brand, raising money, uh, you know, people becoming uh, famous pundits and such? Uh, because at crunch time... Uh, People who they thought they'd elected, a lot of Trumpians thought they'd elected to Congress to do this sort of thing, defeated their guy, Donald Trump. So what has this movement been about the last eight years, other than uh, outrage, anger, getting people worked up, getting people to send in small donations? And what do they have to show for it right now? And with the prospect of uh, tax reform bill, uh, going the same way, and I'll just sort of quickly summarize that by saying I think tax reform, a la 1986, in which you redo the tax code, is going to be very difficult. The best that they're probably going to come up with is a familiar tax bill that may or may not cut tax rates, but it'll be really small ball created to what uh, Donald Trump uh, promised people he was going to deliver them. Okay, so... Back to the issue of the Freedom Caucus, the they would argue, why didn't you incorporate uh, our ideas, and why aren't you blaming the the moderates? Why are you blaming us? What would you answer to that? Well, I think the answer to that is uh, contained in any number of uh, press stories that have been written over the last several days. There's a long one in Politico right now based on interviews with many members of the Freedom Caucus. But it makes clear that um, they were never able to be, in all the negotiations that they had with the Trump White House, they really did keep moving the goalpost. Uh, And when uh, the Trump White House would concede to them on uh, some aspects of the bill, they would come back and say, we want more. And um, there was never seemed to be anything that was going to um, make them uh, sign on to a compromise, a compromise that at that point included a lot of their demands. And as, as far as the moderates go, I think what happened here was eventually so many things had gone into the bill um, in response to the Freedom Caucus's demands that they essentially turned it into a Pandora's box. And uh, all of these um, new things came roaring out of the bill and it caused not so much moderates. I mean, I can name three of them. 
uh, Dennis, Barbara Comstock of Virginia, John Faso in New York, Chris Smith in New Jersey. All three of these are conservative members of Congress you want in that Congress, but they all represent districts they barely won in Virginia, New York, and New Jersey. And I think now they were the ones who, when it was at crunch time, said they were not going to be able to vote for the bill because they were in danger of being defeated by a Democratic opponent in 2018. And here's one of the big problems, Dennis. Now that that has happened, I think that those endangered Republican members of Congress, some of them are moderate, but some of them, like Barbara Comstock, are truly conservatives. They're going to be vulnerable on everything going forward in a way they would not have been otherwise. They're going to be vulnerable on the tax uh, reform bill. They're going to be vulnerable on infrastructure. The Democrats are going to press them every step of the way. The Democrats need 24 uh, seats to win control of the House, and 23 Republican-held seats now are in districts that were carried by Hillary Clinton. So that's kind of why I'm suggesting, Dennis, that I think the, the, the possibility of change is beginning to run downhill, and, and you can tie it back to what happened there uh, on Friday. That was That was the moment to show that the Republicans were in office to govern and to affect change. And now we're sitting here looking at, at what? Uh, a kind of an empty hole. The, my, my take, and it's, it was said with, with sadness because I am a conservative, uh, but my take was that purity is what can destroy all good movements. And uh, the, it was like the purity of the never-Trumpers, and I was opposed to Donald Trump during the campaign, during the nomination process, and I was totally for him once he was nominated. I was never a never-Trumper. I was anti-Trump, but I was not a never-Trumper uh, because I understand that there was no choice in the, in the general election. And I believe that there was no choice but to pass this bill for the sake of the president, for the sake of moving Obamacare of moving away from Obamacare, at least to begin with. Uh, I I want you to, though, tell me what you think is animating, and these, uh, and I and I share every one of their values. That's I want to make that clear, and I'm sure you share, if not every one, virtually every one. But is it is it this pursuit of purity that you believe is the animating issue for the members of the Freedom Caucus? Yeah, I think it is to a great extent, Dennis. Uh, and let's make a distinction here between purity and principle. Uh, principle matters, and I think I've always felt that's one of the reasons to be a conservative and to admire conservatives, because they, they do have principles and they stick by them. No better example than uh, Donald Trump's nominee to uh, the Supreme Court, Neil Gorsuch. I mean, that was an elevating thing to do last week is listen to Neil Gorsuch defend his principles against the Democrats. Uh, That was wonderful. Uh, But that is uh, different than simple purity. Um, I mean, there's principle and there's obstinacy. And I think that the the Freedom Caucus was just being obstinate in its inability to to, uh, talk about uh, a way to get the deal done. Look, every major piece of legislation uh, that gets done in the United States, whether it's the Civil Rights Act of 1965 or Ronald Reagan's Tax Reform Act of 1986, involved compromises. Uh, I guess in some quarters, the very word is 
become a dirty word. But that's the essence of politics. Uh, it is doing deals. And, you know, growing up, Dennis, I was a big fan of Aesop's fables. They were read to me as a child. And the one in politics that always comes to mind is the dog in the manger, the dog who's sitting on the hay, which the dog cannot eat but won't allow any of the other animals to get near. And I think that the Freedom Caucus played the dogs in the manger with this. Um, They were not going to allow uh, anybody to enact uh, this piece of legislation. And now they're left with nothing but dry hay. Uh, Mark Meadows, their leader, said on ABC uh, this just yesterday that um, it's, he now says it's up to the conservatives and moderates to come together in the coming days to present, to present something on health care to the president. Well, he's dreaming. They're not going to do that. Uh, they're not going to simultaneously do health care reform and tax reform, and the White House is clearly moving on to um, tax reform. So um, we're just sort of left with, with a purity that uh, has uh, uh, ended up as nothing but kind of sawdust. Can you give an example, so so my listeners can hear this, can you give an example, if anyone comes to mind immediately, of any of the goalposts that you say they moved? Well, the final one was um, uh, asking for the um, the uh, list of uh, 10 benefits, uh, the sort of basic benefits. That um, was, A, that was something that probably was going to be able to handle administratively by uh, the Department of HHS and Tom Price. And second, it was, um, it was going to uh, undoubtedly kill the bill in the Senate. And that was the last demand they made after they had had gotten concessions on Medicaid and moving up the date and uh, a number of other things. But uh, when they finally came in and said that they wanted the uh, basic benefits uh, eliminated, that was what I suggested earlier. They opened the Pandora's box, and that was when they started to make some of their at-risk members vulnerable to attacks by the Democrats. And um, that's essentially why they ended up having to pull the bill without even having a vote in the House, is because too many moderates who'd been ex- – not moderates, but people in uh, at-risk Republican seats had been exposed – uh, at that point, as having to cast a vote for something that would uh, probably get them run out of office in New York, New Jersey, and and uh, Virginia. So, you know, within 90 days, the Freedom Caucuses have put the Republicans at some significant risk of losing control of the House within two years, and perhaps not gaining the 10 seats in the Senate that they thought they were going to get uh, in that election. And uh, I think they've got to look themselves in the mirror and say, uh, is this really what, you know, our our voters in these safe districts uh, like Mark Meadows is in or Jim Jordan in Ohio, is this what they sent them to Congress to do? Because they, at the moment, they're not showing much for uh, for what they have uh, been elected to perform, it seems to me. My, my plea to them would be uh, another one or an additional one, by grace of God or, or by a natural miracle, we have a Republican president. The day of the election, the New York Times said 87% chance of Hillary Clinton winning. The day of the election. I keep that on my, on my website. I'm not on my website. I'm on my own personal computer, just as a reminder. 87 to 13 were the odds against him winning. He won. 
And why would we not want to support a man who has turned out to be more conservative than any president in the modern era? Uh, is that a fair question as well? I think it is a fair question. It was the opportunity of a generation yes, to get things done. that may really never fun. return. Control of the government is so difficult to achieve, House, Senate, and the presidency. And it may not return. And um, these were pieces of legislation that were going to set the law in motion towards a more conservative ideal for a generation. And that has been put at risk. And um, I think that this small group of 25 members of the House or so um, have, have to be called account to account for it. All right, well, one more. Peep. Should we not call account? And, and I love the man, and I said this over and over, but it, why would the Speaker have advanced a bill that was in jeopardy? Well, it, I don't think any of them actually believed that it was in jeopardy. They knew they were going to have to do some negotiating and some compromising, and obviously they did. But what no one could anticipate is that um, the Freedom Caucus members would be inconsolable. They were only going to vote, uh, ultimately, as some of them have said, for a vote for a bill that simply repealed Obamacare lock, stock, and barrel. And as they said, they would then move forward in a more uh, deliberate way to replace it. But, Dennis, they never proposed a plan or any sense of what was going to happen to the healthcare market during that transition period. I mean, the insurance uh, market probably would have collapsed. The exchanges would have collapsed. And this involves individuals, real people. Yeah. Some of them yeah. are our friends. Yeah. What were they going to do for those? Dan Henninger, thank you so much. You're a kindred spirit. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.